now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Come on, Holy Spirit. 
Now we do. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Glad that you are here, people. Kind of wonder if you can hear me okay. I just want to make sure that everything is okay. So thank you guys for tuning in. It's Friday night. It's free for all Friday. Tonight, what we're going to do, people, is we are going to look at some headlines of the day. I know. It feels like forever since we've been together talking about the headlines. Uh, Randall and I have had a lot going on, as you probably know. And um, I am just really glad to be back tonight, especially after playing pickleball today. For the first time in about two months, which is completely cool. Just saying, people. <laughs> Although I, ha I do have to say that uh, playing pickleball today was um, difficult. No, it wasn't difficult. It was easy. But it was difficult because there was just four of us. And it was like we had the whole gym to ourselves. It was so sad in many ways. <laughs> it was sad, but it was happy at the same time. So we had a good time. Hey, Tracy. Nice to see you, my friend. Hello, Sean over there. Hello, uh, Wanda. Any Anybody else over there, wherever you're at? I don't know who else is seeing this show, but if you're, if you're a replay viewer, thank you for tuning into the show. Glad that you're here. Uh, we, we are, um, you know, looking at, um, well, we're going to do some news, just, just saying. And right before the show, uh, I got a news article about... Pence's press secretary testing positive for the coronavirus. Uh, President Donald Trump uh, mentioned that earlier today. Um, it says here, let me see if I can find the whole article because I put it in distill mode. So I'm, I'm scrolling through a million things here. So I'll read you this article uh, from CNN. I think this is what it says here. It says, Miller is now the second White House staff member known to have tested positive for the coronavirus this week after one of Trump's personal valets tested positive on Thursday. She's a wonderful young woman, Katie. She's tested very good for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden today she tested positive, Trump said during a meeting with Republican members of Congress at the White House. The president said that Miller had not come into contact with him, but noted that she had been in contact with Pence. Miller was frequently in contact with members of the press, and the White House is now making more coronavirus testing available to journalists, a White House official told CNN's Jim, Jim Acosta. Katie Miller is married to Trump's senior advisor, Stephen Miller. The announcement came following an hour-long delay to Pence's Friday morning flight to Iowa when individuals were seen exiting Air Force Two before the plane lifted off of the tarmac at Joint Base Andrews just outside Washington. A senior administration official told the press pool aboard Air Force Two that a Pence staffer who they did not name at the time tested negative for the coronavirus Thursday and positive Friday morning. Katie Miller, who was not on the plane, had possibly been in contact with six people scheduled to fly on the trip and they were removed before takeoff, according to a senior administration official. The pool was told later Friday afternoon that everyone who deplaned had been tested for the coronavirus and had tested negative. The news of Katie Miller's positive test has left everyone in the white west wing of the White House genuinely nervous. One of White House source one White House source told CNN the source said Katie Miller's nature is to communicate in person so she makes a lot of in-person contacts during her day-to-day -day work. The source added that West Wing staffers are concerned because her husband also works in the building and has been inevitably 
inevitably exposed. Bloomberg News first reported the coronavirus case earlier Friday. And I'm just going to end it there because I don't need to read the whole article, but you guys get the point. And what I can already predict, not that I'm a, a super great predictor of anything, but what I can already tell you is that a while back there was a picture of Vice President Pence who was visiting some people in the hospital. He didn't wear a mask. Everybody else around him had a mask. And the news media was flipping out over it, making him out to be some evildoer, like he didn't give a, a crap about anybody else. And, and um, of course, as we know, most of the news that comes out of the mainstream media is literally fake news. It is, you guys. And I'm going to tell you something. Um, there's a video going around uh, that everybody keeps sending me and telling me to watch. So today I watched one of the many videos I keep getting sent by everybody, which I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate all you guys sending me stuff. Keep sending me stuff. Whenever you see something you want me to see, please send it to me. Um, if five or six or 10 people are sending me something then I definitely know I should definitely look at it and cover it because I don't have time, you know, to do all that. Um, but what I can tell you is that, um, I took the time to watch this 30 minute, um, video, uh, which I texted to my text message list. So if you are not on my text message list, that's the best place to get me. You can also get on my email list. I only send out email occasionally. Um, but text, text the term Bible news to 33222. It's down there in the scrolling ticker. Eventually you'll see it if you miss it. And just text me your phone number and you'll be on my text message list and you'll get the stuff that I send out. I really am doing the best that I can. I'm kind of in the um, I'm, you know, I'm working a couple jobs here, so I'm trying my best to stay on top of everything that I can. Also, want to let you guys know, uh, this week, Randall and I have come to the decision, I probably more, more my decision than his, <laughs> that, uh, we are going to file for nonprofit status for Bible News Radio. It's about time, you know, we were thinking about this, uh, I've been praying about the future of this show. And God has not called me away from this show. I am not going anywhere, people. But we need to get our finances in order. We need to do what's best for you as our donors and also what's best for us as tax people, you know, because we're being taxed through the nose uh, for what we're doing as an independent thing. So just want to let you know, I don't know how long the paperwork is going to take, but I've found someone who's going to help me with it. Uh, and... I am very excited about it because I think for the first time in 16 years, uh, we're going to, we're going to do some stuff. We're going to start advertising for the show. We're going to, uh, start putting a little money behind the show. Not that we have much, but we're going to figure it out. I will definitely figure it out. Um, and I'm going to start producing content for you. That's going to be, um, you know, apologetic in nature. Uh, and I'm going to start, I'm setting up a brand new <clears throat> blog. Uh, I'm going with my heart people. That's bottom line. Uh, God has called me this more than I think anything. Legal Shield is still something I am going to be doing. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge, to be honest, to do both uh, and and give both my best. Uh, but you know what I want you to know is that if you have been donating to our show, uh, thank you. And also, I want to let you know that if uh, you know, I don't know how long it will take for us to get approved for nonprofit status, but once we do that you're, you guys are going to get a tax break, finally. So 
we'll, but we'll we'll see. The thing that's been holding me back is money on getting the nonprofit um, info um, signed. I mean, it was a few thousand dollars, and so I've, I've been quoted by lawyers. Uh, but you know what? God always opens doors in His time. Yeah, He does. So I personally am super excited because. I think there are good things in store for the show. And I also think that part of the reason the timing is now is is um because God wants it to be now. I just I just feel that in my heart. So, what I'm going to say uh next is that I uh you know, want to thank all of you guys for donating to the show. Many of you are monthly pillars of the community. Um I just want to ask that you continue to to donate. If you have friends that watch, donate. Um, you know, and we will continue to do what we can with, uh, with what time and limited resources we have right now. We're, we're in a pandemic situation, as you know. Uh, so I can tell you that earning money is a lot more challenging and it takes a lot of time to build a base of followers and people who trust you. Um, but, uh, I don't do the show for the money because if I did, I wouldn't do it at all. (laughs) I would not do it, you know, and here's the thing. Um, I am confident that he who began a good work in you will, will complete it right into the day of salvation. So many of you sent me this video. Um, I think it was called Plandemic and I watched an abridged version of it. And what's interesting about this, you guys, is that, um, one of my friends who listens to this show actually told me about Judy Mikovits like way back in August, I think it was. No, it might have been even July of last year. And they were telling me how this woman, um, she was a, she's a vaccine researcher. I don't know her exact title, but, but she has been put in jail uh, for the work that she did with no charges against her. Um, and basically, she's a huge whistleblower. I mean, she's been threatened. You know, her life has been threatened and stuff. And anyway, she has come out and exposed Fauci. Okay. And I'm just going to give you the highlights from this video, which I sent to my text message list. Many of you, if you want it and you're not on my text message list, just message me somewhere and I'll send you the link to the video. But here's one thing I want you guys to know. This is what she said. She used to work with Fauci, first of all. Remember when we did this, the, the show a couple of weeks back when they, when Trump announced that everybody was supposed to like stay at home and all this other stuff. And me and Randall, we watched this thing together. It was like one of the very first full length press conferences I watched of President Trump. Okay. Honestly, because I don't watch TV. And I certainly don't waste my time watching the mainstream media because they lie so much. Well, you guys remember when I told you it really bothered me, not only that doctor, but the female doctor who worked way back in the AIDS administration when AIDS way back in the 80s was developed and all that. You guys remember that? Put a one if you remember it when I said that. Well, it turns out that this woman who is a, a researcher and helps to study viruses and stuff like Judy Mikovits. Um, in this this movie, this docu- little documentary, she she explains uh, what exactly has been going on, and there's just a couple highlights I wanted to um, 
point out from this. So this woman has been censored since 2011. And she actually had a gag order put on her. She could not talk legally or she, you know, more stuff would happen to her. But anyway, are you aware that doctors have been incentivized by diagnosing somebody with COVID-19 that if they give that diagnosis, they'll get $13,000 for every diagnosis they get for COVID-19 medical doctors under, I believe it is Medicare. They will get 13,000 bucks. Okay. So a lot of the reports that we have seen in the media where these doctors have come out and they have said, um, you know, so-and-so died of this, blah, blah, blah. And the symptoms are exactly the same as COVID-19. So we're going to go ahead and put COVID-19. Follow the money, people. Here's the other thing, the respirators. If somebody goes in and they end up on a respirator for COVID-19, they actually get $39,000 for doing that. And the irony is that putting somebody on a respirator actually helps kill the person. So these, these doctors who are abiding by this and they're not calling this out for the BS that it is, are doing it for the money. So here's the other thing too. And this, this woman, Judy Mikovich, she calls this the plague of corruption and actually said that they know of an anti-malaria drug that would cure all of this, but Fauci and the others, including Bill Gates and stuff, uh, and all those people have decided to like pull that drug off, off, off the shelf, basically. It's an intentional pull-off of the drug. So zinc and the drug is called, let me see here, I'm gonna, I want to make sure I, I say it correctly. I screenshot the name because I couldn't type it out fast enough. But I'll tell you in just a second. I got to pull this up here. So I was watching the video. It's like, what? Hydro, what, what, what? Um, I'm going to go ahead and see this. While this is popping up, because this takes a while on my old computer here. Um, no, that's not it. Okay, hold on just a second. Maybe this is it. I had to shoot. Okay. So the treatment that's been proven to be able to, to heal COVID-19 is hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine. It's actually spelled, it's actually the short, it's HCQS-200. Dash, dash um, it's H-Y-D-R-O-X-Y-C-H-L-O-R-O-Q-U-I-N-E. That with a combination of zinc, you guys know zinc, right, has been the proving cure for this, okay? So here's the other thing. Some medical doctors who've come out, right, and they have started speaking out against what's been going on in, in our um, world, in particular America, have basically confirmed that um, as we shelter in place, our immune system 
drops. Our, our immune system gets weaker, right? Because Why? Because we're not around people. And the flora and our bacteria and all of that stuff, all the stuff that keeps us healthy, we're not around it because we're sheltering in place and we're, we're quarantining ourselves. And so our immune systems get weaker as a result. And then add a mask. And this is what they said. The doctors in this video said is that when you quarantine in place, you decrease your immune system, right? So you get weaker, you wear a mask. And by virtue of you wearing a mask, the way that you're supposed to wear the mask, you actually make yourself sick by your own virus, your own, your own, um, I don't even know what the exact word is, but your own, whatever it is, you make yourself sick from your own stuff because you are quarantining yourself and you're, you're making yourself sick by wearing a mask. So these guys are recommending that, well, actually they, they, they said that what they expect to happen as a result of all of us being isolated um, is that once we're all out again, right, as they let us go, what's going to happen is there's going to be a ton of people that are getting sick because our immune systems have already been suppressed and weakened because we've spent so much time away from other people. Um, and not only that, this woman also said that flu vaccines increase the odds by 36% that you'll get the COVID-19 um, virus. Okay. So there is a nefarious plan, uh, evildoers, um, that this woman is calling plague of corruption. And she has actually paid the price. I mean, she's spent time in jail for no charges against her. And, um, and she's, a, I mean, she's, she's a whistleblower, right? A lot of people are painting her as some anti, anti-vaccine nut. And actually in this video, she was asked by the interviewer, are you anti-vac? And she said, no, I'm not. Because when a vaccine is actually made to do what it's supposed to do, it actually helps us. But if a vaccine is used to make people sick, of course, that's not what she's for. And we know people like Bill Gates, the World Health Federation, and all that, those, that ilk, right? Their goal is to decrease the world population. And they did it with AIDS. They had the cure for AIDS back in, in the early 80s, in 1984, I think is what she said. They had the cure because they, they're the ones that spread the disease into the, the homosexual community on purpose, Right. And then, of course, it went into Africa and other places and millions or thousands anyway of people have died because of that. Right. So now you got this COVID thing and doctors who are like, whoa, wait a minute. This woman is on a mission to wake up the medical community, anybody that's going to listen to her. Right. And everything that she said makes complete sense. And I can tell you this from my background as a marriage and family therapist understanding how research works, right? I mean, I can tell you in the, 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 the mental health psychology world that if your research doesn't align with the political agenda of those who are actually publishing that paper, you're not going to get published. And who's to say it's any different in the medical world? So in the medical world, it's completely political. We all know this. Um, 
they have the cure that we need, but they're pulling the drug, first of all. They're pulling the drugs that that cure COVID. They're, quote, creating a so-called vaccine that's going to supposedly cure it, and it's not. It's going to actually make people sicker. And they have brainwashed the masses to actually obey them and and say, um, you know what? You guys got to isolate. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's the exact opposite of what we need to do, people. We need to be out there getting our hands dirty and being and being smart, you know. I'm not saying this COVID-19 is, is fake because it's not fake. It's actually a very real thing. But if you're a healthy individual like me, there is zero reason why I cannot go out in public and be around people. Zero whatsoever. Now, if you're immune compromised, like, like a number of my friends are, you know, or you're elderly or something, then you need to be careful, right? You, you're the population that needs to be careful. But the rest of us, we don't need to be that careful. Wash your hands right? Wash your hands, get out there, be among people. Like I said, today I was so happy. I got to be around three or, well, I had lunch with two of my other girlfriends. I played pickleball with Randall and two other people. So I was around like four, four new people today. I was so excited. Oh my gosh, there's germs. Yay. You know? Um, so, so I think, um, so what I want to recommend is I want to recommend that you guys watch this video. If you haven't already seen it, if you don't know where it is, I will tweet it out. I'll find what I watched. I'll tweet it out on my Twitter account, or you can go through my Bible news radio site, send me a link and I will send it to you. I'll also post it over on my Facebook page, uh, assuming Facebook lets anybody see anything, which they usually don't. Um, but you guys can, can go and you can look at it. Now I bring this up knowing somebody way back in July, a former guest of my show actually, told me about Judy Mikovits and also told me um, back then I could get an interview with her. So I'm going to do my best to look into that again. Um, there was a kind of a dead end. The ball was dropped, I think, on that. But if I can get this woman on her show, I will definitely get her on my show because she used to work with Dr. Fauci. Just saying. Um, and like I said, I don't believe... You know, and so many of us are, are so skeptical anyway of the of the propaganda uh, that's out there. I don't believe for a second um, that we need to be taking the so-called precautions that we are. And, you know, I'm just saying. And, uh, um, you know, most people are... are um, Yeah, anyway. Anyway, most people are just kind of buying into this. So, and, it, and it's because they don't look at alternative media or whatever. So, Randall, you want to comment? You want to come in and say hi to people? Hi to people. He is here. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I was, uh, I didn't watch much of that. Just a few minutes, but didn't realize her history went back so far in my original uh, awareness of Dr. Mikovits, um, virologist and um, microbiologist, whatever. Um, and it was, and she basically blew the whistle on impure vaccines uh, because rats were often used to um, get these uh, live virus vaccines. Uh, 
instead of just having that virus in it, there were the other these other viruses that came in the vaccines, these retroviruses, I guess, and and so that basically the vaccine production process needed some overhaul because it's great here's a vaccine for whatever but it's carrying these other viruses in them um, because the process was not not clean basically and got a lot a lot of flack from that but as a result those processes were overhauled and um I don't think anyone ever put, uh, you know, an estimate on the number of vaccines that went out there that were uh, tainted with other viruses. Yeah, uh, I through. don't know. Um, but uh, anyway, so but going back to AIDS and all that, wasn't aware of that. I was just looking over an article yeah. in Science, a new article on the Science Magazine website that's uh supposedly fact checking her oh yeah um, there's a there's a massive smear cane out against this woman i mean it's a massive and they go like statement by statement that uh she makes and how they supposedly debunk it yeah well <laughs> you know it's like okay this Picking out a few here because I don't want to go through the whole thing. Um, yeah, interviewer says her 1991 doctoral thesis revolutionized the treatment of HIV slash AIDS. Uh, Mikovitz's PhD thesis, Negative Regulation of HIV Expression in Monocytes, had no discernible impact on the treatment of HIV and AIDS. Well, right, because... <laughs> Because no one would use that, would not use her, you know, uh, recommended treatment of it. Yeah, it had no discernible impact on the treatment of HIV/AIDS. Because yeah, I mean, what what kind of re, what kind of rebuttal or you know uh, is that? Uh, you know, interview says her 1991 doctoral thesis revolutionized the treatment of HIV and AIDS. Didn't say that she had a huge impact and it changed the, you know, changed the landscape of the treatment of AIDS. It revolutionized the treatment of HIV and AIDS because the the standard, you know, treatment, the standard protocol was this cocktail of drugs and stuff like that. She was saying something else. It, it did revolutionize the treatment of HIV and AIDS. But their comeback is that, oh, fact check, that's false because... Uh, her her yeah, thesis actually, had no discernible impact on the treatment. Of yeah, HIV that's AIDS. actually that's actually addressed in the um, in, that's actually addressed in the video. Yeah, but right. Science Magazine says, "Oh, that we just debunked that right there." Her paper had no discernible impact on the treatment of AIDS. Hey, Terry and Kelly, nice uh, to see you and guys. that wasn't that wasn't the assertion. The assertion is that her thesis revolutionized the treatment, not that it was actually implemented and right had an impact on the treatment just that it revolutioned the treatment itself hi don and mia mm. superhero paramedic yep hey oh by by the way before i forget next weekend i'll let you guys know i have a guest coming on the show he is a magician 
he's a Christian who does magic. And um, you guys are going to really enjoy this guy. I talked to him for an hour yesterday. I met him in a Christian networking group. Um, and uh, so mark your calendar for Saturday uh, next week and make sure you make plans to be here. You're going to, you are going to love this guy. Guarantee it. it's going to be cool. It's going to be super cool. Um, all right, let's get to some of the other news that we pulled. Yeah, let's do all right. go on this one for a long time. So this one is titled Not Asking for Permission. Hundreds of California churches plan to open up on May 31st, to which I say, good job, people. Um, all right, so this is coming from... Uh, CBN News. CBN News, okay. Uh, nearly 500 California pastors are preparing to open their doors on Sunday, May 31st. Anyway, before I forget, though, I should say, I want to let you guys know that the magician guy, I interrogated him about sorcery in the Bible, okay? Before you jump all over me and are like, don't you know that witchcraft is of the devil, etc., blah, 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 okay? We're going to actually talk about that with this guy. So trust me on this, okay? Just trust me, people. Okay. Yeah, all he right. doesn't practice magic. He... No. Illusion. But anyway, yes. Okay, anyway, back to the article. Nearly 500 California pastors are preparing to open their doors on Sunday, May 31st, whether or not they have guidance from the state. The churches are not asking for permission, said Bob Tyler, a religious freedom attorney advising the pastors. The governor is sitting there, here, rather, as a dictator, trumping the Constitution, and is kind of hanging on to this state of emergency for as long as he can hold it. That's right, and what I can tell you is that many of my friends in California are livid about what Newsom is doing out there. Tyler says the pastors, including Jack Hibbs, woohoo, I love Jack. Jack is one of my favorite pastors of Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills, Matt Brown of Sandals Church in Riverside, and Danny Carroll of Water of Life Community Church in Fontana have signed a petition and plan to advise Governor Gavin Newsom of their plans, which includes social distancing. We'll give the governor an opportunity to amend this order, said Tyler. If he doesn't, these pastors have told me they are committed to opening regardless of what the governor decides. Right now, Newsom has relegated churches to stage three of the state's reopening plan, which could be weeks or months from now. Starting today, Newsom is allowing the opening of lower-risk workplaces like clothing stores, floors, and sporting goods stores under stage two of his plan. He's bolstered by a federal judge's decision in Sacramento this week, Judge John Mendez, ruled that Newsom has the right to temporarily ban church gatherings for the sake of public health, but the California pastors are arguing that there's public health reasons for reopening churches. Pastor Brown says his church has called thousands of its attendees and found that many are struggling. We have all kinds of emotional issues that are going on. We have marital issues in our church. We're, seeking a spike in, we're seeing a spike in depression, suicide, drug addiction, he said in a video posted on the church's website. Dr. John Jackson, the president of William Jessup University, a Christian college outside of Sacramento, says people of faith need a human connection right now. The presence of God matters, but touch matters, he said. I love technology, but it's not a replacement for physical presence, and I think we can do so with social distancing. Personally, everybody, I gotta tell you, the term social distancing irritates me. Yeah, it does. It irritates me. Mm-hmm. You know why it irritates me? Because it's irritating. Right? And, you know, I will respect anybody who doesn't want to hug or get near me. But I think the whole terminology of social distancing, I'm social distancing, 
you know what people that is it's it's such yeah you talk about the masses controlling the masses it's like it's like the media controlling the masses it's like very annoying but anyway jackson said he disagrees with governments prioritizing prioritizing businesses before churches <sighs> I find it very inappropriate that I can go to the grocery store and buy a loaf of bread and be with all other kinds of people. I can go to the hardware store and get my supplies for my home maintenance, but I cannot go to church, he said. Judge Mendez pushed back against the idea in his ruling saying that shoppers going to a business to buy a specific item is different from churchgoers communing together. Dr. Russell Moore, the president of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission and theologically liberal, for the most part, um, says he's been pleased to see that most churches nationwide have complied with public health guidance during a crisis. See, mm -hmm. I think that's the real story here is how well congregations and governments have been working together so far. He told CBN news, which is why you don't want to trust Dr. Russell mm -hmm. Moore as far this. as you can throw him. Just saying, but anyway, um, he encouraged churches to work with their local health authorities to make decisions about reopening. But he also warned the, that government must view churches as as essential. I don't think that churches should be treated differently because they're churches, he said. The issue has to be safety, and so you have some areas where churches are treated in a different category that sees churches as less essential than other means of gathering. I think that's a real mistake. I have to also add, you know, it is kind of interesting that the separation of church and state all of a sudden disappeared when the, the Trump administration actually allocated money to churches uh, during this COVID-19 crisis. Just think about that just for a minute. Church and state. It was separated long before this crisis. And then all of a sudden, when the funding came down, churches were actually allocated Monday money from the government. Huh. Kind of fishy, isn't it? Or is it? What a bad idea to take it, in, that, in my not-so-humble opinion. Yeah, well, anyway, it says here, Tyler says most of the California churches that reopen May 31st will allow 25 to 30% capacity. Some say, some, some, he says, may use a reservation system, and when one service fills up, they will add another. Pastor Hibbs told CBN News that he wants to follow Romans 13 and obey the government. But I don't want to blow our witness. But he's eager to gather people for worship and be able to minister in person to the sick and dying. He's also mindful that state and local governments may impose a new round of restrictions in the fall. We've got to get out and get our work world back before the next flu season starts next winter, he said. Sacramento pastor Sam Rodriguez, one of the president's closest faith advisors, also plans to reopen his church in the coming weeks. He started in that direction last Sunday, preaching in the parking lot of his church campus to parishioners parked in their cars. So what do you think, Bareface? Do you think Pastor Jack Hibbs and others like him are being rebellious? Or do you think that they have legit reason to kind of reopen? Well, definitely they have legit reason to reopen, uh, to prior prioritize a you know, hardware store above a church. Mm-hmm. Seems Hardware is important, people. Yeah, it is, but... Uh... You know, we don't see any kind of restrictions, at least when I've gone. Uh, nobody practicing social distancing. I mean, just a stream of people just going in and about doing their stuff. And Now, I think personally, they should reopen 
And I also think that if people are paranoid, they can wear their mask if they want. But I also think what they're doing with us at the rec center by scanning us to see if we have a fever and all that, I think that I think that would be okay if they wanted to do that. Right. You know, have somebody with a thermometer thing um, shooting everybody to make sure they don't have a fever and stuff. Uh, um, but one of the things like that one of the ladies, the workers at the rec center, the, she's a kid really, you know, she said to me today was that she had all of her symptoms were the same symptoms of COVID, but she had allergies. Right. And... And I said this, whatever, one of the last times we were on, but there seem, there still seems to be some confusion. People seem to think I'm protecting myself with one of these surgeon-type masks that, you know, this is personal protective equipment. Um, no. Well, it's, it's protect others. It's not protect yourself. You're not going to protect yourself. By wearing a cloth mask. No, according to the thing, you're actually going to make yourself sick by wearing one. Right. The idea of wearing a mask is if you happen to be sick. Right. So as not to spread, you know, the virus to others or, you know, whatever your sickness is. Again, just like in the operating room, the surgeons are wearing the masks and the hats or whatever. It's not so they don't catch something from the person they're operating on. It's so if they cough or sneeze or, you know, whatever, breathe too heavy... It's they're not going to infect the person whose skin they've just opened, you know, which is a fast route to, you know, if you want to get somebody infected, you know, open up their skin and put something in, you know. It's, right. Anyway, so wearing wearing a cloth mask or whatever, even your medical surgery is not going to protect you. If you want to protect yourself, it's the N95 type mask with the. So, you know, whatever micron filter and your face shield and all that. So this Mia said you're absolutely correct. She said the masks <clears throat> protects others, not you. Right. So And well Janet Parshall, she actually if you guys get a chance, go to YouTube, Google Janet Parshall. You see a, a, a recent video she put up two weeks ago. She was being interviewed. And in it she said that she doesn't wear a mask unless she if she goes out in public, she said she will wear, wear a mask to make other people feel comfortable. Because the Bible says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And she doesn't wear it because she's trying to protect herself. She's oh. wearing it in order to help. She said, because if you're asymptomatic, which some of us could be for all we know. Like infected but asymptomatic? Yeah. And, you know, whatever anyway. But that was yeah, her, that was her off, reasoning. On the off chance we've been exposed to other asymptomatic people uh, and happen to be a carrier yeah, I can see that. Oh, there's a lot of coronaviruses out there. If we have an animal, they have a coronavirus. Well, so yeah, um, I mean, Mia said, H1N1. You Mia, know, the, Mia said N95 the, protects you along with eye protection. Yeah, yeah, because you know the you know the the moisture in your eyes. I mean, is a just like a magnet for kind of yeah. droplets in the air. I know my but, eyes look. Do, don't my eyes look, do I look tired, people? I'm not. Not, well, I am a little bit. Randall and I had a massage yesterday. Um, I, get, I have a really good bargaining deal with somebody. <laughs> and um, the day after massage, I'm just like, uh, like a noodle. <laughs> you can see my hair too. Anyway. All right. So let's go ahead and... Uh, I want to share some other fun stories with you. Um, let's let's share the Elvis Presley one. I think it was kind of cool. 
This is kind of a, a pop culture question, really. Most of you in the audience are old enough to remember Elvis Presley. Uh, it says here, Elvis Presley's notes show he probably read this book of the Bible most. What do you think it is? Did you read the article? I did. Okay. So you are, I guessed right. So, uh, well, anyway, I'm going to read the part of the article anyway. It says this. Uh, it says Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, got his start performing in an Assembly of God Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. So it's no surprise his work was somehow impacted by the Bible. Actually, Elvis's only Grammy Awards were for his gospel music, winning Best Sacred Performance in 1967, before I was born, and Best Inspirational Performance in 1972 and 1974. Today, two of his Bibles, his personal Bible and one gifted to him by a fan that he, that he held onto through the years, are part of the collection at the Museum of the Bible. Even though the museum is currently closed due to the coronavirus pandemic, that's not stopping one of the curators from opening up about what's inside. You can see the pictures there on the screen. Uh, Amy Van Dyke, the museum's lead curator of art and exhibitions, shared the story about the first time she held Elvis's personal Bible. She said she could tell it was something special to him by all the notes in the margins. His, his favorite book, from what it looks like, was the Book of Psalms. She shared, because the book of Psalms, there's a lot of notations and writings in there, which makes sense because it's a book of songs. So for a musician, it made lots of sense. She added, and in the back of the Bible, there's also some writing and some stanzas that he's written in there and poems and other things that really spoke to him. The other of his Bibles housed at the museum was gifted by a fan, Pat Hyder of Cowpens, South Carolina, February 20th, 1977, as she wrote her, her address inside um anyway so yeah so that's kind of cool isn't it elvis presley probably we don't know for sure but we could just look at the evidence his favorite book in the bible was the book of psalms does that surprise you uh it doesn't surprise me really no what's your favorite book <sighs> my goodness um Do you have a favorite book book of maps no um, you're always a smarty pants, aren't you? What is your guys' uh, favorite books of the Bible? Don says, I trust my motorcycle helmet more than my silly mask to save my skull. There you go. <laughs> you know that the Legal Shield store where I can get some stuff, they're literally selling these big plastic, long plastic masks thingies that we could wear if we want as Legal Shield reps. And they're also selling masks, you know, the, 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 whatever the 95 one is that one and some other stuff. So Sean's favorite book of the Bible is Romans. Don, Mia, what are yours? Just curious. I don't know if anybody else is still watching over on YouTube. YouTube nation. Wait, I'm trying to find. Yes. So People those are, are you, watching on YouTube. I'm just curious. On YouTube, you guys, what's your favorite book of the Bible? I know it's hard to pick, but, you know, for sake of argument, go ahead and pick. You know, Randall hasn't said his yet. What did you miss? The question? The question is, what's your favorite book of the Bible? Just saying. Do you have a favorite book? I actually have lots of favorite books of the Bible. 
Okay, so first, second, and third Peter. Those are great books, Don. Yeah, they are. There's... Can I have 66 favorites? You can have <laughs> as many as you want. Okay. You know, it's hard. I love personally. 66, one is a close 67th. Oh, well, the good news, Gina, is we have our archives afterwards. I know it's not the same just watching the replay, but the replay is always there uh, in the event that you miss it, which is a bummer. Um, I. There's so many books in the Bible. I know it's hard to pick a favorite, but Romans has always been one of my favorites. One of my top favorites, actually. It's my favorite verses in Romans. Um, but I love the Gospels. I love... Okay, of the Gospels, what do you like? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? What's your favorite? Talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. and talking to all of you out of the, the Gospel books. I would have to say Luke. Luke is your favorite? Why? Well, because it's uh, most complete, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in chronological order, and um, it is the words of the Lord. You know, the Word became flesh, and and one of my favorite things that the Lord said um, is in there when He's talking to the uh, yeah. disciples on the road to Emmaus, which so underscores the whole rest of the Bible. I, I agree. I like the Gospel of Luke as well because it was written by a doctor. It was written in chronological order. And, um, well, that's a big in part because of that. So Mia all said Luke. Sean said Matthew. Um, I also love the Gospel of John, though. And what is the name of the stream about smoke too much gas says? Well, I think the name is pretty self-explanatory, mister. Um all right, let's get to some other uh, story. And Don says Genesis 1 to one to 12. Yeah, you know, Don, I was going to say that too. Genesis is one of my favorite Old, Old Testament books. Um, I love Genesis because if you, if you can't, if, and I love the book of Revelation. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to choose, isn't it? So, but Isaiah is also a great book. I mean, the whole Bible is great. People, we should just not pick favorites. Uh, but anyway. Okay, so let's, let's, um, I got two more stories I pulled. Okay. Yeah, you do. All right, let's do the HUD one. So this one was interesting. I pulled this story because it involves Dr. Ben Carson, who's been on our show before. So, so this one's titled HUD to pay $17,800 settling federal lawsuit from Ben Carson's White House Bible study. Dr. Ben Carson, HUD secretary and member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, joins Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle. And then there's an editor's note basically saying the original version of the story stated that the Bible study sessions were no longer being held at the White House. The sessions, it turns out, were never held at the White House. The story has been updated to reflect that change. Two watchdog groups that targeted Department of Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Dr. Ben Carson, it should say, for taking part in weekly Bible study meetings at the White House, announced they have reached a $17,800 settlement. HUD reportedly agreed to pay the Freedom from Religion Foundation $3,400 and Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington crew $14,400 in costs and attorney fees related to the case and the Freedom of Information Act request process to obtain the documents according to the settlement. The group's fervor and crew announced 
I'm sorry. That was supposed to be funny. The the atheist complainers at the Freedom From Religion Foundation and crew announced the settlement last week, putting an end to a two-year dispute. The groups claimed they were repeatedly denied the Freedom of Information Act requests about Carson's schedule and the Bible study, which at one point were purportedly attended by several cabinet members before work hours. (gasps) The horror of it all. Yes. In March, the Wisconsin-based Freedom From Religion Foundation blasted Pastor Ralph Drollinger, who led the Bible study in question as a hate preacher, claiming he blamed gays in a, long, in a blog post for the coronavirus pandemic, the Christian Post reports. But Drollinger said his words were misrepresented by the mainstream media after no. the headlines linked the pastor's blog post to coronavirus and homosexuality. Oh, brother. <laughs> HUD spokesman Matt Shuck Blasted the two groups for being nothing more than activists with a political agenda, which is actually the truth. They are activists with a political agenda. And admittedly so. Yeah. We should be seeing much more media outrage over these activist groups who continuously abuse legal protections in place for the media, but we don't, Shuck told Fox News. After media reports of the FFRF complaint included including from LGBT groups. The White House responded saying the Bible study sessions had never been held at the White House. A spokesperson for Capitol Ministries told Fox News and the Bible study had always been held at an undisclosed location for security reasons. Uh HUD has also agreed to provide two in-person mandatory fee waiver training sessions for its FOIA office along with updated fee waiver One of the major benefits is that the updated training and guidance will ensure that citizens and groups will have access to agency records. Both groups now have the records they were seeking concerning the White House Bible study as well as Carson's attendance at an event for the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. So, yeah. Randall, what do you think? Before I say anything, what do you think? What do you guys think of that story? Uh, I mean, here, here's the right. Oh, that there's a Bible study taking place somewhere in Washington, D.C. Where, where, you know, taxpayer paid government officials attend on their own time. And that that creates all sorts of, you know improprieties i guess you know it destroys the separation of church and state and we need to know where this bible study is being held and who's attending it and so they go you know freedom of the foia office but meanwhile you can have islam's is practicers of it you can have muslims praying in the white house yeah but you know they go to the foia office and say hey we demand to know this I don't see how it was ever decided they ever decided to settle for, I guess, paid some money for report, whatever. Why would the Freedom of Information, why would they know or have anything? It has nothing to do with the government other than there happens to be government employees that are attending a Bible study on their own time. Why would that be even issue of a Freedom of Information Act? I think we should be outraged, people. We should. <laughs> this um, is an outrage. I mean, yeah, it is. It is an outrage, especially the amount of money they had to pay. I mean, that's sure, insane. Yeah, I mean, and it's our it's our that's money. Our money. Um, I want our money back, people. I mean, it's okay, they can ask for you know, access agency records, HUD of 
of when you know when he went into the office when he left you know what he does on his own they demand to know where ben carson was they're threatened. You know, They're threatened by Ben Carson. You know, when he left work, rather than before work, they should be demanding. Dr. Ben Carson. Yeah, Dr. Ben Carson. They should be demanding, you know, if he goes to a hardware store, who else was there and what was he buying? And, I mean, with that, with the U.S. government, they probably know. <laughs> it's probably every, every breath is probably tracked. They probably know well, his every bowel movement. But What these you know, guys are is... The Freedom From Religion Foundation is nothing but a bully organization. Yes, That's it's, all it's it a, is. It's, as, as the HUD guy called it, you know, a, yeah. a politically well, motivated activist. You I've know, been covering activist their... Activist with a political agenda. I've been covering their crap for, for well over a decade. Ugh. Yeah. So, so why is it even a deal what government employees do on their own time? It, it's, well... I mean, okay. why does that have to do with so, anything with... Ex- because it's to, religious in nature. All right, so explain to me why my friend Matt Barber and others who... They wrote an article on mm-hmm. their own time, yeah. and they lost their job at big corporation because um, they dared to say marriage is one man, one woman. When the LGBT lobby is behind this, that's why. Yeah. You know? And you guys are right, you know? Um, Sean's saying they believe they have a Bible... St- they believe have a Bible studying is a crime. Mm-hmm. And Don says along with the incompetence of Mueller. Well, yeah, I mean, these guys are, these guys are lying in their pockets. You know, follow the almighty buck people. All right. We got one more story before the show is over. I thought this was kind of cool. I thought I would end with this. Yeah, Jay is good. Okay. So here's the thing. Yesterday was the national day of prayer. And I don't know about you guys, but I actually tuned into the National Day of Prayer last night. Um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was honestly one of the best um, National Day of Prayers that we had. I thought it was super great because for ac- they actually prayed. <laughs> A couple of years ago, I was kind of mocking the National Day of Prayer by calling it the National Day of the National Day of Talking About Prayer. Uh, because generally the National Day of Prayer is just that, people talking about prayer. It's like the people will talk about how we should pray. And if our people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and you know, that whole verse yeah, completely one, ripped out of context. And one celebrity after another gets up to the lectern and talks about prayer. Look at that, the lectern. Mm-hmm. Not the podium people. Well, they do, the step, podium is, yes. they do step. Usually the lectern, lectern is on a podium for right. such events. Yeah. But they have been often so brainwashed. But actually, they're usually already sitting on the podium. But sitting on chairs that are so anyway, resting on the it podium. It was really cool that yesterday uh, they had Michael W. Smith playing his music, yeah. and go. then they had all these people on Zoom, and they were all praying. It was it was really cool, and um, and I I really hope uh, I hope that you guys always spend time in prayer, and. I do believe, this is my, my own thing, I believe, and I will say this again because I'm going to say it and you can disagree if you'd like, I don't care. Ask me if I care if you disagree. <laughs> but this is my opinion based on the opinion of, the, of other people. I came to my opinion based on other people's opinions. Um, I think God is judging the world, okay? I think he's judging America in particular. I think this whole coronavirus thing God has allowed, and I do believe it's it's a mini judgment on our country. I just believe that. I believe it because 
I heard Kay Arthur talk about it, and she talked about how when pestilence and plagues come on a nation, it's God's way of trying to wake up the nation and the people and call them back to a place of repentance. My biggest concern, you can mark my words, and I will be tracking this, my biggest concern is the same thing that happened after 9-11, after after 9-11, people went to church for a short time and, you know, they're calling out to God and, and blah, blah, blah. And then within a couple of weeks, it was back to, to old business as usual. Well, what if people go back to church? Will there be a true outpouring of actual repentance and desire for, for spiritual growth and Bible study and all that? Or are people just going to go back to, to the way it was? I think that there is a hunger among people now more than ever. And I, and I heard reported in another thing that I, I, I watched. It was the thing with Janet Parshall, actually. They're talking about how over 100 people a week are coming to Christ um, through, um, through different ministries because they, they are seeing the need. And, and let's just be honest and real, okay? Our church, the church in America, this is the first time in America that the church has actually been subject, sub, subject, that's not okay, I'm not going to say this. The church has been subjected. Ah, I did it, people. Yeah, I did. Anyway, it's been subjected, subjected to government oppression, I'll call it that, uh, like in other countries, okay? So, China, North Korea, uh, you know, other countries all over the world, Christians have been persecuted for a long time. Now, I'm not saying that us being told to stay home is being persecution. My concern is that they're not going to open the churches back. And if they do, what are the regulations? What are they going to tell you about what you can talk about in these churches or what? Right? Um, I have seen in the Bible Belt, there's a, a, a fresh growth of interest in God's word. You know, um, because... Because think about it. this is the first time this is the first time in my life I have actually seen a worldwide pandemic, whether it was orchestrated or not by by somebody in the lab or or you know organic or whatever. Um, we don't know, but what I can say it's the first time in my life that people are actually living in complete fear because of the potential to die. Well, as a Christian, I know that the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die. And then after that, the judgment. That's for you. That's for me. Right? It's appointed unto man once to die. And then after that, the judgment. Right? I have no fear of death. I know where I'm going. I have eternal security because I know who Jesus is. And I've been following him for years. Decades, actually. And I have no doubt whatsoever in my mind that the, the last breath I have, my last heartbeat, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And it, what a day that will be for me. I'll be so happy. I'll be in the, in the presence of Jesus, the one I've served my life, right? Can't wait. Now, I will admit that I'm not like like excited about the process of dying. I, I mean, I don't want to have cancer or anything like that and go through that stuff. But here's the thing. The most important thing for us believers is to be going out there and sharing people. Because if you can get the picture that people who don't know Christ are literally hanging from a thread above the pit of hell, 
And they're going to drop into that the minute they breathe their last and they will be tormented where forever, where the, the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies forever. You know, that should motivate us to share the gospel with people because nobody needs to go to hell. Right. I mean, but a lot of people are going to go there. A lot of people have already gone there. You know, but people want hope. Suicide rates have gone up. People are, are struggling in their marriages and depression, anxiety. I have so many friends that are struggling with these issues and they're believers. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's, let's get in God's word here a little bit. Let's meditate in God's word both day and night, like Psalm 1 says. And let's, you know, focus on what God's word says as opposed to the media. My number one encouragement to anybody is shut the dang TV off, people. Shut the news off. Don't corrupt your mind with negative stuff. Just don't do it. I, that's why I'm happier than most people that I know because I don't watch the news. I Everything I hear about the news is hearsay because I don't watch it. I, I refuse to watch it because I don't believe it, <clears throat> right? You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes in my case, I think it's just being smart not to let the enemy corrupt my mind. But, but how can we survive without television? How can we survive without getting... <laughs> Somehow, you know, television came around the mid-1940s, um, you know, for, you know, over 1900 years of the Christian era, the church survived quite well <laughs> without television. And all of human history, you know, some, what, 4,000 years before that, at least? Hmm. You know, I think if you go along with your life without television, you might actually survive. It's not a necessity. It's not on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, just so you know. Well, Maslow wasn't even a believer either. I, I so, know, but, I'm just... But, <laughs> I'm just saying, even from the secular point of view, <clears throat> right. television isn't on there, right? even in self-realization. So anyway, all that to say, let me get back to the story, because I'm leading, okay. So there, there is this article, it's titled, Over 260,000 People Joined World War II Veteran in Praying for a Spiritual Awakening. This is a cool, this is a cool story. It says here, on Tuesday, World War II veteran Reverend Fred Lunsford prayed for a spiritual awakening in an online prayer meeting with more than 250,000 people. Lunsford, who has pastored for 70 years in, a North in, in North Carolina, fell ill two years ago and prayed that God would take him home, but God had other plans for the war hero, CBN News reports. Two years ago, I thought I was going to die at the age of 93. Okay, quick, add it up. He's 95 years old now, okay? So two years ago, I thought I was going to die at the age of 93, Lunsford said. I was very sick and asked the Lord to let me die. I wanted to go to heaven, but God said not yet. Lunsford challenged God, asking him, why are you leaving me here? God answered Lunsford by requesting he pray for a spiritual awakening. Since then, a faithful servant of Christ, Lunsford has done just that. In his personal prayer garden nestled in the mountains of Marble, North Carolina, Lunsford has steadfastly prayed for revival. God extended my years for a reason, and he wanted me to pray for spiritual awakening and to get as many people praying as I could. Lunsford told CBN News, God spoke into my heart, and I yielded, it, yield to, yielded to it. It's not me, it's the Lord, he asserted. 
In January, Lunsford invited Mud Creek Baptist Church pastor Reverend Greg Mathis to pray for a revival with him. Mathis described the prayer experience as powerful, noting that he had felt God in a way that I hadn't experienced in a long time. Heaven came down and, and the area in which we were praying could barely contain us. The initial plan was to have hundreds of pastors join Lunsford on the mountain to pray for an awakening, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic, new plans had to be made. The online prayer event, Praying on the Mountain, was organized as an alternative by Mathis and his team at Mud Creek Baptist Church. Over 267,000 people joined in for a day of fasting and prayer. I now realize that it never was about us gathering physically to pray, but joining our hearts and souls to collectively pray together for a spiritual awakening. It's been amazing how it's all happened, what's taken place. It's beyond my comprehension. I just can't understand it. It's all because of his grace. I know this is of God, and on May 5th, something big is going to happen, he added. So let's go back just for a minute. So... <clears throat> um, yesterday was the National Day of Prayer. This event's been going on for decades, okay? When President Trump came out a couple months ago, right after he declared the national pandemic and told us all to stay home, remember that following Sunday, he actually also called for a National Day of Prayer and Repentance? Or, or actually a National Day of Prayer. I don't know if he called for repentance or not. This is significant. Whether or not you agree with Trump or anybody in his administration, I think this is highly significant because what it shows you is that we still have a spiritual base and faith in our country. And people, if they hear the gospel and they're actually shared the good news of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did when he came from heaven to earth, and then he walked with us, did miracles. He showed us who he was. He went to the cross, died on the cross for your sin, for my sin. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And then he ascended to heaven 40 days later. And then he's going to come back in the same manner in which he left. That is what we're waiting for, people. We're waiting for the coming back part, right? And, and I don't know about you, but we are very, I think the rapture can happen in my lifetime. If God gives me another 30 or 30 or 30, 30 or 40 years, and he very well could. My dad's almost 92, and I'm only 51. You know, I have longevity in my, my genes. If I'm still around in 40 years, and the rapture hasn't already taken place in the next 40 years, I could see, and you could see, the rapture of the church, which would be totally cool. I mean, just totally cool. See, and the big distinction is the rapture of the church, I believe, will take, for, take place first before the second coming of Christ. We will return with Christ when he returns. That's what I actually believe theologically. And when Jesus returns a second time, he isn't coming for the church. He's coming back to Israel because they're awaiting his return. Although the Jews, some think it might be his first coming as opposed to his second. That's the big debate, right? So my encouragement is, and it's my encouragement to me as well, is to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What things? Everything that you need, 
right? Read Matthew chapter 6. My second encouragement is to um, repent of your sin. Make sure that when you're praying and you're you're seeking God for whatever prayer answers to prayer that you want, that you're confessing your sins and that you're repenting of your sins and that you are doing your best to live your life accordingly and walking and living a life of holiness, you know. And the third thing is to know that God loves you, you know, and that's, it sounds like such a trite comment because everybody goes, God loves you, you know, touched by an angel, God loves you. You know what? God really loves you. You know, he he loves you uh, and the love of God is incomprehensible when you really think about it. When you really meditate on that, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And all the fear that is in our world today is of the devil. I mean, flat out simple, it's of the devil. And your job as an ambassador for Christ is to uphold his word and to walk in the confidence that he gives you as his ambassador to walk out your faith in truth. You know, my pastor, J.C. Christian, has been uh, teaching on, he's been teaching through the book of Habakkuk, and I've been sharing some of that on my Facebook. The just shall live by faith, right? We're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. We can't see the outcome, but we know the one who gave us the commission, right? Is to go therefore into all the world and to make disciples. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And the problem is, is that if we don't, if we don't know God's word, we're not being made a disciple. We need to have God's word. We have to hide it in our, in our heart. Like David said, I hide, 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 I'm hiding your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you, you know? And in Psalm 51, he says, create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, which, of course, the Holy Spirit could could have been taken away back then. But now, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Read Romans 8. Right? I mean, we have that. And people see it. Right? And so I want to encourage you. Go out. Be a comforter. Be an encourager to those people around you. Just like you guys. Honestly, this, I mean, one week ago today, Randall and I put down our dog. I've talked to some people who are really kind of cold and they don't give a crap about animals and they're like, whatever, I would have just shot the dog. <laughs> I would never pay that much money for an animal. You know what? That tells me a lot about who you are as a person, okay? But you guys, the church, the body of Christ, your fr- the friends, my friends, those of you out there who have expressed your love and condolences to Randall and I over the loss of our beloved pet, you know? That is the body of Christ upholding us in a time of loss and grief for us. You know, that's love to me. That That is what the body of Christ is about, you know. And yes, it's an animal. But you know what? It wasn't just an animal. That animal loved us and taught me and Randall a lot of things, right? And um, that's what it's about. It's that type of encouragement, that type of comfort. And it's biblical, you know, if you look at, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, that's kind of known as the comfort chapter, where it talks about in the first couple of verses, and I'm paraphrasing it, but it basically says to comfort one another with the comfort with which you've been comforted. If, if you know, and all the people who've been comforting me and Randall in the loss of our dog, they have lost an animal. <laughs> 
you know, they've lost a pet that they absolutely loved and adored, you know? Um, and, and I, I totally get it. Hey, Barb, nice to see you. So, you know, our job as believers is to equip the saints, but it's also to go out and to encourage one another to love and good deeds and to lift up the name of Jesus, to make much of him and to make sure that no matter what, people are looking to what Jesus says first and foremost. And what did Jesus say? He said everything in the Bible because he wrote it. You know, every word of the Bible is inspired by God. Jesus is God, just so you know. So it doesn't have to be red letters. It can be everything in the Bible. And you compare that to what the world teaches you. Okay? Just you compare that. And then when the world's telling you this, you look at God's word and you go, huh, I wonder what's better. I know. God's word. Because <laughs> God doesn't lie, right? The world does. You know, the media lies. And so I just have to, you know, encourage you with that because, um, you know, because life is tough, man. And none of us, well, uh, let me put this, a generation of us will get out alive. There will be the rapture of the church at some point. I do believe that it will happen in my lifetime if God gives me another 40 years to live. I, I do believe that. I believe it with more every, more and more every day because I look at what's going on. Um, and that gives me comfort. It gives me excitement because I know that Jesus is coming back and I know that someday I'm going to get out of this world and the best is yet to come, right? We are near the end. So get right with God, right? And here's the thing. You don't have to be like terrified to get right with God because he loves you. That's the thing. God loves you. Jesus loves you. And he just wants to have a personal relationship with you so that, you know, he can tell you how much he loves you. You know what I mean? And then he can change you from the inside out. That's what it's all about, right? So, you know, hold on to that hope and uh, just know that uh, um, the best is yet to come. Yeah, it is. Okay, so with that said, I also just want to um, thank all you guys for tuning in again. Thank you for the donations you've sent our way. Um you know, I would ask um, that you guys pray for us. Uh, keep us both in prayer. You know, uh, finances is our biggest struggle. You know, we have a lot of debt now left for our dog that we got to pay off. Um, like I said earlier, I may be tuning, turning Bible News Radio into a nonprofit. And I don't know how long that's going to take, but we're on the road. And, um, you know, I have some goals to meet with my Legal Shield company as well. And by the way, I just want to add an addendum on the Legal Shield thing. Um, our identity theft protection was just, um, enhanced. enhanced and expanded. Um, and so I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about that probably tomorrow so that you guys can hear about it. Cause you know, many of you already have it, but maybe you can talk to other people about it. Um, there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on and I'm really happy that I have a product that, that actually helps people and protects people. So you know, where I'm trying to protect you spiritually, I'm also trying to protect you online, uh, you know, and also protect you legally as well. So, you know, get in touch with me if you want info about that. Um, but, um, you know, most importantly, keep us in prayer. Uh, Randall, do you have anything else you want to say? 
Uh, not right now, but thanks. Yeah. All right. So with that said, everybody, I want to encourage you to be bold. Stand up, people. And go with God, people, because he loves you.